The North Atlantic Treaty Organization was established after World War II with a clear purpose, contain the spread of communism and deter the Soviet Union. Nowadays, there is no USSR, and the threat of communism no longer looms over Europe. What is the future of this alliance and this very different reality? Especially in the wake of American reduction of military presence in Germany and its overall shrinking of engagement in international agreements. We try to answer those questions in today's episode of Civis Patrum. So in today we are going to this so in today we are going to discuss I guess the future of NATO. Exactly. How it relates to current events, withdrawal troops from Germany. And well what's so what's what's your opinion, what's your take, Baba, on this? So first of all, as you mentioned, the uh, fact that the US will be withdrawing mm-hmm. some troops from Germany, which were stationed there, you know, since the Cold War basically. Yeah. And uh, those troops, it's not quite certain yet what will happen to them. Uh, there are proposals that they will mm-hmm. be moved to the eastern flank of NATO. Yeah. Um, and this is a huge development because this decision was undertaken by the US alone. Yeah. It was not a, a multilateral decision of the entire alliance of NATO. It was just the US government saying, yes, we are relocating mm-hmm. our troops. And this kind of undermines the authority of NATO mm-hmm. and undermines its purpose as well. Exactly. It should be an alliance and not just, you know, a, a measure for the US yeah. to achieve their goals. Um, and I think also uh, in the light of recent developments in the US foreign policy, mm-hmm. it really sheds some doubts on the future of NATO. Yeah. Um, will the does this alliance really have place in the modern world? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I guess it has like this limited and like when you think about NATO and the first thing you would ask why it actually exists, you know, and like the easiest question that exists, I guess now to counter Russia. I mean, mainly it's like main purpose, and even you know Ukrainian conflict. I guess in two thousand fourteen, it gave this some energy to NATO because it was able to repurpose itself and have like, you know, all the bunch of new ideas and uh, aims to exist and to operate and stuff like this. And then you think, yeah, but you know, when this conflict between Russia and NATO, and so you don't really need NATO, you know, it's kind of outdated alliance. But I guess with this withdrawal is a little bit overreacting like because i don't think it changes uh, military balance in the region it doesn't really no. yeah and it's still they still leave some troops there i mean 20,000 so yeah just we're growing about one third and they have you know the biggest logistics um bases in europe like they're still located in germany like historically is it like in the south of germany so that's why I mean it's still play it, like Germany plays its like central role to the alliance, but this is just this idea you know that they are free riders and yeah they do not meet the two percent requirement of NATO yeah and they just you know free ride on the American security security yeah. but you know also when you consider NATO it's not just about the number of troops on the ground yeah because uh, it doesn't really matter if you have uh, 30 or 20,000 of American yeah. troops in Germany because 
if Russian army were to roll through Germany, it, it wouldn't really make a difference. It's more about the coherence of the alliance. It's more about common policy towards, uh, you know, foes. And yeah. currently, you totally don't see that within NATO. I feel like the European members of NATO would still like to have the alliance more focused on deterring Russia, yeah. while the US would like the alliance members to, you know, acknowledge China as a huge mm -hmm. threat, which many European countries don't want to do, and they have quite mm -hmm. good relations with uh, China and good trade, you know, partnerships. And this, you know, this is another... Hmm, bone of contention between you know yeah over the atlantic i agree with you and i guess uh, like stottenberg um, um what's his position i guess like he's the, the chief of nato chief yeah, of, president NATO, of, NATO, yeah. president of nato i uh, had this like speech i guess one week ago and he said like the nato should focus not only on russia but also on china and i guess but this is hard thing to sell yeah i guess to, to european countries because you have like diverse nations that you know some of them borrow money from china like italy they also participate in belt and road initiative yeah they italy, also benefit the Greece, from chinese investments yeah and turkey and there's like the whole idea of alliance now it's hard it's still hard to imagine because you also see the deterioration in this idea that you know this alliance between democracies um and something like countries bound by same values ideas and like um, um, modes of governance and now it's of course it's, it's under doubt because you know hungary and uh, poland and turkey i guess turkey especially because turkey is not a democracy i guess yeah no, it's, it's clear no one doubts that when we had a coup <laughs> it's not a democracy absolutely yeah not. but it's still the part of nato which is a little bit um yeah, so double standards, you know, to declare themselves anti, you know, authoritarian, having authoritarian members. countries, yeah, members in, inside NATO. But you know, it's how it is. But I think it's uh, it's we can you know have different opinions on mm -hmm. NATO, but I think one thing is clear that mm -hmm. the U.S. is the backbone of the alliance, and mm -hmm. currently, you know, viewing American foreign policy and their withdrawals from you know, international obligations and organizations, be it the treaty with Iran or mm -hmm. the, the, you know, freezing the appointments of new judges for WTO or, you know, withdrawing from the World mm -hmm. Health Organization, the U.S. is slowly becoming more and more isolationist. And I think yeah. here it's worth to quote uh, what Donald Trump said mm -hmm. at his, um, his West Point graduation ceremony. He basically yeah. addressed the cadets there. And I would like to quote what he said. So, quote, each of you begins your career in the army at a crucial moment in American history. We are restoring the fundamental principles that the job of the American soldier is not to rebuild foreign nations, but defend and defend strongly our nation from foreign enemies. We are ending the era of endless wars. In its place is a renewed, clear-eyed focus on defending America's vital interests. It is not the duty of US troops to solve ancient conflicts in faraway lands that many people have never even heard of. We are not the policemen of the world." End mm. quote. I think this pretty much states that mm -hmm. the US doesn't want to be involved in many of the conflicts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it feels the pressure of being this hegemon, you know, it's too, too much resources and, and the US is losing those resources at the same time. Is in decline. It's in decline. It's, it's power that it's in decline, according to you know indicators that we use to assess uh, 
which which country is a great power or which country is not. And it's in decline, so it's losing resources. And of course it tries to understand what it does with like those resources that are still there. And this old rhetoric of Donald Trump is probably not really a rhetoric of Donald Trump, but you know, rhetoric of any president, American president probably, because that's what like real thinking of America now requires to say why we need NATO, you know, why we need Germany in the alliance if Germany underpays us, you know, not us, I mean, in terms of don't spend 100% yeah. of their GDP on, on security. So, but I think, I think the idea of NATO probably is in the past. I don't see the purpose of the alliance right now uh, without only, you only, you can understand the purpose of NATO is to counter Russia yeah, and this is like the purpose of the alliance, which is like pretty irrelevant now. Right now, yes. Yeah. The US has different aims, you know, on their scopes right now. And I think also yeah. the fact that those troops that are being withdrawn from Germany might be relocated to uh, mm -hmm. Eastern Europe and Eastern members of NATO. To Poland, for example. For example, to Poland. And this, you know, many people say that the uh, alternative for having NATO for mm -hmm. Europe and its, you know, collective security would be some sort of European version of NATO, just for European mm -hmm. members, with one, you know, clear purpose of deterring Russia. Yeah. Uh, but I think that the actions of uh, withdrawing some troops from Germany and moving them to Eastern members sort of, you know, put a wedge between this idea of mm -hmm. uh, European cooperation, because, you know, uh, at the expense of Germany, Poland or Romania and whoever would get mm -hmm. more security. So I wonder, does this really this development hinder European cooperation in terms of defense? Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, I guess European cooperation right now is a tricky term, I guess, because it's not really defined. Because, you know, when you think about European security, you definitely think about Russia and threats coming um, from Russia. But it's still hard to imagine that, you know, all Europe, like, even if you take just European Union, it's still like so many positions inside those unions. It's very diverse, yes. And of course, like people benefit just from having NATO because if you understand NATO, it just allows you know all these countries not to fight with each other. And I mean, NATO wasn't established just to counter Soviet Union uh, back in time. It was also established to have this uh, European cooperation. It was a clear goal because you didn't want like this, let's say. French and like France and Germany also having like you know like arms like competition yeah and also like planning some wars in Europe because it's I mean it was still the case because it was still seventy five years after World War Two so 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 much time honestly <laughs> and mm, the still idea of European cooperation is hard to grasp right now I guess I mean I feel it for myself I am I'm not saying saying is some like uh, given thing. But you feel I feel I don't it doesn't really exist right now, but it's 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 being drafted mm -hmm. currently. And you see this all these um, pan-European uh, cooperation initiatives. They all somehow include Russia and exclude the US because that's they understand how you can work with Russia. It's kinda of exclude US interests out of like equation. Yeah. And for example for Germany it's hard to do because Germany is really dependent on like American security um, guarantees. Um, that's clear. Um, they don't want to develop their own security. Um, well, right now, they still are. They are increasing their budget. Yes. Uh, they are cooperating with France and you know 
Italy in terms of defense projects and but military. France has way better position, you know. Yeah, they have a strong position, and that's what I said. You know that there there might be a wedge between Western and Eastern yeah. uh, European NATO members. But it's actually interesting that uh, mm-hmm. German Foreign Minister Heiko Maas mm-hmm. he visited Poland uh, over the last week, and um, I think the topic discussed was mm-hmm. this withdrawal of troops. And the Polish foreign minister, he basically commented the situation like this, and I'll be quoting here again, so stay tuned. Uh, That's what the Polish foreign minister said. I want to underline that these talks with the U.S. have no connection with the recent U.S. declarations and U.S.-German relations concerning the presence of or reduction of U.S. forces in Germany. From our standpoint, U.S. forces in Germany also serve our security. We would want the presence in Germany to be continued. End quote. So there's still, mm-hmm. even despite this, you know, kind of wedge, uh, official declarations are still, you know, they still concern European solidarity. Yeah, um, which is which is kind of a concept by itself, and you should always try to promote this concept because I mean, you still understand European community is a one because of like European Union. You definitely, yeah. you definitely have this organization, but European Union is not about security. But then at the same time, if they think about environment a lot together, and environment is security, you know, so something very different from security thinking, because you feel about your position in the world as something united, and you want to protect your, you know, community, which you feel it's European community, definitely. So I'm totally for some organizational standards, for some standards for European cooperation, but now I feel it's bleak because and still, I mean, they probably exclude each other, you know, NATO and all European, because we have the OSCE, you know, OSCE is kind of pan-European security organization, but it doesn't work really well, because uh, Russia is also in this organization, it's totally against. <laughs> and, I mean, Russian Russian position was always in the 90s, it was in, it's interesting, but their position is still something like this. If you have these two organizations, they exclude each other. So they're exclusive because they don't work each other because you have like one European organization, European security, and then you have another one. Yeah. They basically copy each other in their standards, but they're very diverge in terms of how it's... I mean, for example, uh, OSCE is definitely collective because, you know, it's only controlled by member states that participate in this organization and um, they should be united when you want to adopt some solution. But of course, NATO is definitely, as we is driven by the United States, so you know it is. Yes, um, the U.S. definitely sets the agenda for yeah. the actions of the alliance, uh, be it you know interventions in Yugoslavia or you know Middle East. It's, it's you know the U.S. Yeah. still you know deals we, the cards. We can we can see different developments, for example, in French foreign policy because France wasn't in NATO for you know three, 30 years. I mean, there wasn't full. It wasn't the full member of NATO. Yeah, they withdrew from the military structures. Yeah, and I mean, the second headquarters of NATO like was located in Paris. So I mean, I no one, it. no one wanted to move from Paris to Brussels because Brussels wasn't like this nice city back then. It was pretty poor, as Europe was pretty poor after, after World, World War Two. Yeah, but Paris was still nice. <laughs> as yeah, <it's> Paris, <laughs> because there was no fighting. Yeah, and they had to move from Paris to Brussels, and uh, because you know the government decided like this. <laughs> yeah, um, it's because French has like very strong voice in European cooperation because they definitely see their role differently, and they don't want the U.S. to like you know 
to decide for European security because yeah. still US has this like very uh, but definitely they have like different interests in terms of like this European cooperation initiatives because they want to see themselves as hegemons you know as someone who dominates Europe uh, in thinking and in security uh, but would you say that they want to be hegemons or because I think they mm -hmm. aren't okay with sharing their hegemony with Germany I think they may not have the you know the same interests, but in terms, for example, we're, we're discussing NATO here, and so mm -hmm. it's basically a military issue. Yeah. In terms of the military projects, they cooperate with Germany very heavily, big on the Year Fighter program or yeah. the Sixth Generation Jet program, the new main battle tank programs. Mm -hmm. They are eager to cooperate with the German government and industry to you know build the European defense potential. Yeah, I think yeah, but unfortunately, it all comes to nuclear weapons. <laughs> I would mm -hmm. say. And you would never see independent, fully independent, fully rely like like the country like which relies on itself without nuclear weapons. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear why you need to have nuclear weapons because it's like the backbone of security. You know, it is. if you want to deal with Russia, you should have nuclear weapons. Otherwise, you will be smashed by its just forces. look at Ukraine. Yeah, and I mean Ukraine, they still didn't fight. You know, it's still what the what they're doing in Donbas, it's like some private military contract, some yeah, like real army, including like involving you know those we discussed it in the Russian episode five thousand tanks and stuff yeah. like this. Yeah, so it's hard. That's why I still think it's very you know, I mean it's very dependent on like Germany is very dependent on the U.S. It's really, it all comes down to this uh, after World War II relations, where Germany was really, you know, I mean, West Germany was very reliable, like, it, it relied on the U.S., on its uh, economy, uh, all these cars that they sell, first of all, to, to the U.S., you know. <laughs> yeah. And that's how it is right now, but that's why, I mean, you can cherish, like, French initiatives, because France has this, like, kind of independent strategic thinking, and it's also what it takes um, not to have security thinking for so many years because Germany now is kind of like paralyzed. There's so many like ideas, but they still come down to the U.S. because they understand they couldn't have like out of the box thinking without the U.S. You know. But you know, still uh, the presence of the U.S. will be reduced, and Germany isn't too keen on mm -hmm. uh, you know storing American nuclear weapons as well. Oh yeah, this is interesting. We discussed this. Yeah. We did, yes. Uh, yeah, and I guess that's one of the like Trump's replies, I guess, because he basically said, "Well, you don't, you know, you don't want to participate in this nuclear sharing." Um, but what Germany wants it, it wants to demonstrate to its voters. Uh, I guess Heiko Maas is like definitely an opponent of like this uh, nuclear sharing without Germany being like somehow involved in control of those nukes, you know. And it looks like the they're not, they're not, they don't control them, and uh, that's what creates a lot of problems for German establishment, because they definitely not, they look like very weak, and I guess they published some articles, you know, one, two, two years ago probably, whether Germany should actually have their own nukes to, uh, to be to be superpower and to be, you know. Well, finally. the question is, would any European country allowed that because I, I doubted that any yeah. <laughs> any neighbor, especially France and Poland, they'll be totally against. Yeah, but Germany is still the leading power in terms of nuclear reactors. I mean, they're reducing it because they want to move yeah. away from nuclear power to you but know. But they have solar technology. They have, they have the technology. Yeah. They were definitely one of the most you know prominent nuclear energy yeah. uh, countries in the world. But you know what I could 
uh, theoretically see happening is Germany being armed you know, with their own nukes, but not directly. I think like the power mm-hmm. of managing those nukes could be delegated to some different authority, like different European authority, for example, for, for some actions of the mm. European Union. Because, you know, there are already initiatives within the European Union, even though they're not too, you know, uh, well exposed in the media, mm-hmm. about common defense, there are, you know, common uh, defense uh, research and development projects, mm-hmm. etc. And there's also, you know, the, uh, what is it called, it's the European High Command, which is theoretically supposed mm-hmm. to coordinate troops, uh, you know, from the European Union. And we have some, you know, multinational battle groups, which are, you know, based on the European Union, mm-hmm. not NATO itself. Uh, and I think that some of those like nukes, you know, might be funded through one of those mm-hmm. European defense funds, for example, and not directly managed by Germany. Mm-hmm. They may be stationed in Germany, but managed, for example, by, you know, the high command of the EU mm-hmm. or something like this. I could see that happening. Yeah, this is interesting thinking. And I mean, but it definitely Europe definitely needs some self-reliant uh, security thinking. And Especially that, now, because the, yeah. I, I'm sure the US will severely decrease its commitments to Europe. Yeah, and then it's dangerous the time. to rely just on one state. Absolutely. To just on the US power because you should definitely develop some other approaches to security. And I mean, still Europe understands security as a common thing, you know, climate change is a nice example because climate is still understood in terms of security. That's why we do stuff for climate because we think it's a matter, but you know, uh, it's a matter that requires some uh, action. So. Yeah. So, you know, I think that uh, it's a, you know, very like <laughs> pessimistic thing to say, but that's what I think NATO doesn't really have a future. Yeah. I think at one point uh, the US, I think the beginning of the end will be uh, the US withdrawing from the alliance, mm-hmm. something like this. I could see that happening, absolutely. Especially okay. if Trump wins the next, next election. Uh, and I think Europe will have to find its own way in defense because mm-hmm. they have the potential, you know, all the EU countries combined, if you combine their militaries, it's the second strongest military in the mm-hmm. world. And I think if Europe realizes their potential, that they don't have to be reliant on the US, especially when the relations are deteriorating. Yeah. I think some, well, the future for Europe is either cooperation or they will be just, you know, irrelevant. Yeah, but this is also hard thinking, you know. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, it's really super really hard, hard to gain to gain uh, agreement with the, between the member states of the EU. Yeah, it's it will be if anything happens, it will be a really well, even a miracle, I would say. Yeah, it's if you understand how like European Union works, it's so difficult. And how diverse it is. How diverse it is. How bureaucracy works there. I guess it's really hard. <laughs> it is, but. I don't see, honestly, a different way for Europe if they want to be relevant on a international scale. They definitely have resources. It's not... I mean, it's easy. It's easy to understand, you know, free ride on American troops, but it still all comes down to the question how sovereign you are, you know, in this world, and how you are capable of your own security, because Germany should be capable, I guess, of its own security. There is no other way. Strongest economy in Europe. Yeah, why not? I mean, France is capable of its own security. It is, definitely. They fired this um, ballistic missile from submarine, I guess, (laughs) had conducted successful tests. (laughs) Then again, France has a really great geopolitical, you know, location on the map. They have basically no threats to their and access to the, to the ocean. Yeah. Basically, to the existence of the French state is pretty much secure. Like, there's no threat from the outside. 
Germany, mm-hmm. uh, it's totally not possible to ever invade. <laughs> Hitler felt <laughs> like differently. <laughs> but it was, you know, 80 years ago. And yeah. modern Germany has I mean, they, I mean, no interest. Because they have threat, but this threat comes from Germany. <laughs> yeah, and Germany is not too, you know, dangerous <laughs> right now. What there are neighbors, Italy, totally not Belgium, yeah. Spain. It's just, just there's no uh, scenario in which France can be, you know, endangered by its neighbors. Yeah. So what, well, you know, you can see that France also fo- focuses on, like, kind of like the U.S. on like overseas, uh, you know, power projection. They have a, they, mm-hmm. they have their air force very strong. They have their navy very strongly developed. Yeah. Which shows that they have ambitions, you know, to project power. Not just you know in their mm-hmm. you know very close neighborhood. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, French Navy, you know, French troops—they like they're undergoing like those um, um, very like uh, impressive projects, like also like kind of modernization similar to Russian like military. Yeah. But many of those projects are European cooperation, as I said. Yeah, and this is this is a good sign of some. I mean, they also have this initiative, like European Army, yeah, like uh, how it's called. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a good way of uh, thinking differently about European security, you know. And you know, especially Macron is a huge supporter of, of you know European security without the U.S. Yeah, but he also likes those this image of uh, kind of the goal image of France. Yeah, France is, basically wants to be. When the U.S. leaves, mm-hmm. France would like to take its place. Yeah, um, that's why they are investing in this idea. But yeah, let's see how it works out because it's still not not really. Sh- I mean, because the U.S. is cooperating closely with Poland, for example, with this um, and NATO itself is really prominent right now in Baltic states. Yes, it is um, because they have this like mission. This is. 5,000 troops uh, in Baltic states from NATO countries. Yeah, the enhanced forward presence mission, yeah. And, I mean, they cooperate really closely with Russian forces, all these interceptions, you know, it's like they basically meet with each other almost every day. Um, yeah, normal day. Yeah, and you go to Kaliningrad and how it all works. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they... I mean, Kaliningrad is also a prominent issue in European politics, I guess. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's this, you know, exclave of Russian military yeah. presence, which can basically uh, lay waste to most mm-hmm. of the Baltic Sea if it's not taken quickly. And, you know, if any potential conflict between NATO and Russia uh, were to arise, I think, you know, the Kaliningrad uh, Oblast would be the first mm, yeah. target of NATO to, you know, to, to, to eliminate as a threat. Um yeah, but I think coming to the main topic, I think we we can shortly summarize like what we said. Like yeah. my point of view would be that uh, the U.S. has the interests of Europe and the U.S. Mm-hmm. are you know more and more different. The U.S. Uh, currently views China as its main opponent, while Europe mm-hmm. might still you know have different views on their security. And this differing uh, approaches to foreign policy will. Mm-hmm. Slowly but surely drive the mm. European and you know American allies apart, and I think at a certain point either NATO will have to face some huge uh, reform or you know it needs to be restructurized or it will be you know substituted by mm. some different arrangement. Yeah, I mean I totally agree with you in some points because I I think U.S. is becoming 
less and less uh, interested in European security in general. You can see this, like, you know, the US withdraws from all this um, arms race agreements because it feels that it's in, like there's great power competition it wants to do something else. And of course, European states are interested in this cooperation because they don't need to invest in this um, in this initiatives, arms initiatives, and they want to have like this agreement with Russia, but the US doesn't want to, and because Russia still wants these agreements, and you could see how this American security thinking diverges from you know European security thinking. So yeah, I mean, if those initiatives play out in the future, if they can be successful, that would be great. But would I'm be. yeah, but I'm more pessimist because I don't see how it will work out. At Me least either. In, like next five years even it's still not possible but you know the US withdraws troops troops uh, entirely from Europe I mean they will still need to cooperate so yeah in some areas yeah. for sure and maybe this withdrawal kind of gives new thinking to Europe and maybe it's good it it's might a, be you know like a yeah. pushing factor to rethink your approach to defense and you know the EU overall yeah, this would be we can agree on, you know, like, I guess. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So, thanks for listening to us. Yeah, that's it for today. Uh, subscribe to us on different platforms that you listen to. Mm -hmm. And stay tuned. Stay tuned for next episode.